Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey, what's up? I'm Zane. This is where the interviews live, right here in the podcast world. I'm joined today for this uh, introduction to this really important conversation with a good friend of mine who I share airtime and some life with, mm. my partner on the mic, big baby Jeremy Deegan. Oh, what's up, baby? Hey. So our guest today in the interview series is Halsey. <laughs> yeah. Queen. Without a doubt. One of my favorite artists making modern pop music. And I think one of the things that people forget about Halsey, I'd love your take on this, is just how adventurous and brave she is as an artist. People really like to box her into this genre that is loosely termed pop music, but I've always felt that she's in a genre termed Halsey. She's genre agnostic. With every step she takes, she takes the box and folds it and makes origami with it. She truly is taking a different step with every album, with yeah. every song, She's and everything unique. that she does. She's unique. She's unique. Listen, you don't have to like the result, but you cannot turn your back on the journey that she's on. I mean, she's not, by the way, winning all of these prizes that everyone else seems to get. She's falling into this camp of, like, fans love her, but people who hand things out, give her Grammys away and whatever, she's not even getting nominated in some capacity. And I think that fuels the fire and leads her into even more interesting places. You know, it should come as no surprise to anybody that she's teamed up with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Now, I can't think of a time when those two individuals who are most known for their work with Nine Inch Nails and their incredible award-winning scores for amazing films have ever turned their attention to an artist project start to finish and actually produced and written music with an artist. This is a collaboration in every sense of the word. And the album is start to finish powerful and incredible and it would have to be with a title like If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. Written and recorded in anticipation to one of life's great adventures becoming a parent. All of this getting wrapped up in our most recent conversation. It's a rare one. There's not a lot of talk going on around this record, but she was kind enough to share an hour or so with me and to dive into as much as we can. She's an unafraid conversationalist. I always really, really enjoy my time with her. My guest on this episode of the interview series is Halsey. You know, it's crazy to be here today because I'm so happy that we're still able to have conversations yeah. and that we're still able to find really cool things to talk about. Yeah. But we always have such a human experience whenever mm -hmm. we talk. Yeah. And you're about to have the ultimate human I know. experience. I was just going to say, I'm actually really worried for this interview because we already have such like heavy, emotional, like kind of like philosophical conversations. And I'm like, it's extra hor like emotional. <laughs> I'm like, am I going to cry today? I well, might. That's not the intention. <laughs> but you should feel as comfortable as you can to be as like, honest oh, as you want to be. I cry during this interview. Oh my as God. As always, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I do feel really sort of emotionally thrilled for you because from the Thank first you. person I spoke was just figuring it out. Yeah. Running around, trying mm -hmm. to make noise and seeing how far you could disrupt things and <laughs> yeah, tell the truth. Totally. To be so centered in mm -hmm. such a beautiful home. Thank you. You did it, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. On the 1.0, you did it. Yeah. And your 2.0 starts in earnest. Yeah, totally. Does yeah. it feel like that? For sure. And also, it's like cool because I got to maintain all those things that I loved about that original journey, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like I still get to be disruptive yeah. and I still get to be, you know, like expressive in all those ways, but not in a way that's um, self-sabotaging. Being able to self-advocate and like create kind of like a, a safe environment and create, I feel like every time I talk to you, 
I've learned to create more boundaries. Oh, so I was going to say that. Do you know, know what I mean? 100%. Because yeah. when I listened to this album, and I was, that's what I was going to ask you, because there's so much self-awareness in mm-hmm. this record. The mm-hmm. most. Yeah. I mean, coming from concept yeah. to, you know, the idea of this Romeo and Juliet environment to mm-hmm. re- real truth, this is me, I'm Ashley, I'm Manic. Yeah. To like, wow, it's almost like this is the the most important and final step before you're actually able to share your Mm -hmm. truth with someone else. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. It's like, it does kind of feel, there's like finality in it in a way. Like this isn't true. And this is like kind of antithetical to like the whole point of the album, but I'm going to say it because it's a real thought, but like the feeling of like, I have to get everything off my chest that I won't be able to say once I'm somebody's mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like all those like expressions of like guilt or insecurity about being like, I'm unlovable or I'm, you know, these stories of like sexual promiscuity or like, you know, sabotaging relationships and self-destruction. Like it's like almost like, I'm like emptying my vault of all these stories before I start over, and it's like, okay, now I have to be responsible. Go on, like, be, go on, be a big else. girl. Yeah, you asked for this. You now. asked for this. Totally, that right. song is such a good Love that song. reflection of it. It's yeah. so funny too because it's so not satirical, but like that second verse that the who the hell is in your bed? You better yeah. kiss good night and give some. And the next, the morning comes instead. Is this the life that lies ahead? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and like none of that's a reflection of like actually how I feel. Like my life's awesome. I love my partner. Like mm-hmm. our, our relationship is so full of like love and passion and communication. I remember having that moment when I was probably like five or six weeks pregnant and being like, so what happens now? Like, do I have to be boring? Right. So many of the things that I self-identify with are not compatible with motherhood. Well, they're rooted in pain. Yeah. Well, that's when you realize, too, that's when you take a step and you go, oh, I'm holding on to my trauma because it's part of how I define myself. And I'm never Uh, really going to grow unless I really let go of that trauma. Well, there you go. There's a massive realization right there. Talk about doing the work. Yeah. Also, I had six weeks pregnant. I was like, oh, my God. But it brings it to yeah. the surface, and and you know, I look, I I can only speak from becoming a parent point of view. I'll, yeah. I'll never truly understand um, the experience of of becoming a mother. I can only admire it and as a part of a relationship, sure. right? But as a parent, as a parent, yeah. it brought a lot of things to the surface for me, and mm-hmm. and you know, I I totally relate to this album on that level mm-hmm. of purging. Yeah, it's a purging going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's also like, uh, as all my albums are, it's like kind of predictive of all the possibilities. You know what I mean? Where like on Manic to have a song like More, you know, which is a song we discussed in our last interview where I'm like singing to my, to the the baby I'll have one day. You know what I mean? Completely, by the way, unaware that this is the way my life would develop. It was an emotional conversation because yeah. you were in the process of figuring out what was possible. Even. Yes, exactly. So not even knowing that this mm. would could be a possibility or mm. like a, a a potential path for me, you know, and certainly not thinking it would happen within the next two years, you know, to go from that and then you know on this record to have a song like Darling. Darling and then Jokbirni, the last song, Mm. they kind of cover the basis, cover the possibilities of like, I'm singing to my child, almost getting everything off my chest that I would want them to know, God forbid something happened to me. You know know what I mean? Yeah, because there's moments in this record when I can't distinguish between the message that you're telling yourself versus Mm -hmm. the lesson you're teaching your child. For sure. There's a lot of lyrics that touch on that where I'm singing to, 
I'm maybe singing to a child instead of a lover. Yeah, someone that's burned or to yourself or whatever. Yeah. And, and also, you know what's really what's super interesting about lyrics like that is that, you know, when you find yourself in, in a reflective m- moment like that, don't you just kind of get closer to accepting that this is who you are? Are. Yeah. Because I felt like in the first couple of albums, you were searching for what's wrong with me? What's wrong with totally. me? Why am I like this? Yeah. Yeah. And then in Manic, it's like, oh, I've got the answer. I'm yeah. bipolar. Yeah. I'm this, I'm this. Yeah. This is my unique chemistry. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it out for the world to see. Yeah. No jokes. This is who I am. Yeah. But is this album to some degree about acceptance as much as it is about realization? Yeah, it's the easiest album I've ever written. Literally. Everyone was like, why are you writing an album? You're pregnant. Well, that's what like, I was going to ask you at the very top of the conversation. But, but we don't do intros, you and I, <laughs> yeah, so we I went know, off we on a tangent and right here we are. So let me, let me do the official introduction. Why do we even have an album right now? Uh, because it was the easiest album I've ever written. And like in true Halsey fashion, the writing of the album always manifests itself in like a, a complete juxtaposition to how I feel in my real life. Right. You know, Manic, I told you, was this album that I initially intended to be, like an angry, political, pissed off, you know, femme pop punk album. And then I ended up with this like eclectic rainbows and butterflies yeah. simps and like, yeah, this, like gentle, yeah. you know, this like, um, I got Dominic Fike doing Beatles background yeah, vocals, yeah, you know, it was yeah, so yeah. the opposite. Yeah, psychedelic. Yeah, and I was pissed when I made that album, but it, you know, it manifested itself in a different way. Now here comes me, like totally in love. Uh, the world's in shambles, but I'm getting arguably the first break I've had in seven years. You know, I'm finally taking care of myself, like eating my vegetables and getting sleep. And like, I'm pregnant and everything's amazing. And then out comes this. Fury and, yeah. di- and I called before I said it's deep. and yeah. And very aware, and but there are times of absolute, just unbridled fury yeah. in the sound, which I love. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was, you know, I think part of it too was almost like I, no matter how old I get, I'm always going to kind of be a brat in the sense that like I want to do the opposite of what people are expecting. And like, I think being pregnant in the public eye is like a really difficult thing because, you know, as a performer, so much of your identity is predicated on being sexually desirable, being... It's arrested development is what it is. We, we like you here, stay here. Totally. Don't change, don't have personal yeah. growth, don't whatever, you know, and if you do, do it in a way where you're sharing it with us so that we can benefit off of it too. Well, especially if you're a female artist, mm-hmm. not to try and put myself into a conversation where I don't have the uh, the, <laughs> oh. the, the, the the appropriate um, you know knowledge, but damn, I'm a human being and I see it's been tough year after year after decade after decade mm-hmm. for a female artist to decide to start a family and all of mm-hmm. a sudden people expect you to hang your microphone on the door as you leave. Yeah, so this is a really complicated subject and is actually kind of what the record is about and like where that fury comes from which is like socially we've been reduced to two categories you are the madonna or the whore right so if you are sexually desirable or like a sexual being you're unfit for motherhood right like you could never be someone's mom um but as soon as you are like motherly or maternal and like you know somebody does want you as the mother of their child or their wife or their whatever, you're unfuckable. You know, there's like, that's your options. It's like those, those things are not compatible socially and they haven't been historically for centuries, you know? So there's initially that. And then there's this mentality of like, you don't win because if you start a family, like I'm 26 and I 
I tried very hard for this pregnancy and it was like, I'm financially independent. I'm pretty far along in my career. You know, it feels like the right time for me to do it. And I got treated like a teen mom a lot of the times, you know what I mean? Where people were like, oh my God, like you're so young and you're like, you have so much to do in your career and you're not married and you're this. And it like, it triggered all of these feelings of like kind of shame from when I was younger. Yeah. It like triggered a lot of like old feelings of, of shame in me where I was like, how can you have an opinion, that kind of opinion on me making this decision? Yeah. Because the flip side of it, right, is that if I don't, and I wait until I'm in my 30s, and I what, I do SNL for the sixth time and have my seventh number one album yeah. and whatever, yeah. like. Yeah. And I, guess what, that treadmill is destructive for relationships? Totally, I do the same stuff over you and know, over and over again, and yeah. I have, you know, the That's career that people think is, you know, the the whole point. You should and then, be lucky, you should feel grateful, everybody wants you to keep working. Yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. then, there's also, she worked too hard. She never had a family. Yeah, what a shame. She's going to die alone. What a shame. You know, she was too obsessed with work. She never found someone. It's a shame. She's not going to have any kids. Her career's not going to hold her at night. Okay, so nothing. So, so, so and I just was like, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. You know what I mean? Yes. I was like, this is important to me. Like, no, I, you're not just gonna do what you wanna do. Ash, you're gonna make an album that's gonna tell the truth <laughs> totally, about it. Totally, totally. Right, there's, yeah. there's a lot of really strong men and women who make decisions in their life to recalibrate the construct of yeah. what people expect and what is they're supposed to do, yeah. and they take the narrative back. Yeah. You've done that. Thanks. Now, you, you're, you're telling everybody what the new narrative is oh, yeah. based on what it was. Yeah. And that's why this record is so powerful. That's why a song like Tradition is an opening salvo. You know, and so I love many, that song so much. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> and it sets it, it really sets up the whole experience. Deep ruminations, not just in the, all of what you just eloquently sure. and beautifully said, but also the complicated dynamic between X and Y in the evolutionary state of mind. Yeah. It happened by accident. It was it that I think the record became that way because I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't trying to make like a political record or like make a record that was like, you know, kind of drowning in its own profundity. Like I was just writing about how I feel and I happen to be experiencing mm. something mm. that is very nuanced and very complicated. So it kind of just like, you know, it manifested itself in the record in that way where, you know, with pregnancy, there's this thing where it's like this flowers and butterflies, milk bath, kind of, I'm a goddess, I've reached my full state of submission. Also this, my feelings don't matter anymore because I'm doing the most selfless and most amazing thing, which is having a child, you know? And I'm saying all this like facetiously, you know? You're not because, wrong. Because then here comes along, which is actually pregnancy for some women is a, is a dream. And pregnancy for some people is a fucking nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare. And that's the thing that nobody else talks about, right? Is the, is the the pain, the blood, the disease, the fear, the fact that it's arguably the most dangerous condition a human body can experience and has been for millennia, that like it kills people and to this day still kills people who don't have access to the right healthcare. It's framed as this time where you should be so grateful and you know, me especially, like talking about my loss publicly, which I have, like talking about lost pregnancies and my struggles with reproductive health and people saying, you should be so grateful. And I knew the whole time I made this album and made the film that people were gonna be like, 
you know, for someone like Halsey, who's had miscarriages and whatever, like, she shouldn't have been working so hard. Like, would it have killed her to stay home and, like, relax for the baby? You know, I like knew there was gonna be that immediately. And like, again, this is why I'm saying the conversation is so nuanced because, you know, the reason that the album is like sort of this horror theme, you know what I mean? Is because this experience in a way has its horrors, you know? And I think everyone who has heard me yearn for motherhood and yearn for this for so long would have expected me to write the album that was full of gratitude. And instead I was like, no, this shit is so scary and so horrifying and my body's changing and I have no control over anything and I do finally have this thing I want. So I wake up in fear every single day that I'm gonna lose it. You know, I have this like, yeah. everyone's like, aren't you like just living a dream? I'm like, no, actually I have nightmares about waking up in a pool of my own blood. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what it's like. That's happening at night, and then you wake up in the morning and you have to call the CEO of XYZ and say, hey, hi, I'm just calling to let you know I'm pregnant. Yeah, yeah, I just want, I didn't want you to find out on Instagram. I wanted to tell you myself personally. It's still business as usual over here though, don't worry. Don't worry, my personal choice isn't gonna affect your profitability or your productivity or your assembly line. And also, in what world would you ever have to call me to tell me that you were having a baby? Yeah. But I have to call you because yeah. it impacts your product. Yeah, you are just stacking up Whew. one bullshit experience after <laughs> yeah. another. Yeah, <laughs> it's awful. I mean, yeah. there was publications that were like, you know, you know, we were looking for going out and like trying to set up magazine covers based around the album release. And they were like, yeah, but is she gonna be pregnant? Cause like, we don't wanna do a maternity cover. And I was like, it's not a maternity cover. It's about my album. I'm just happened to be pregnant. And they're like, no, it's a, it's a pregnant cover. And I was like, so I can't go talk about my album. In what, in what world is that even a conversation now? It's not 2021 for anyone who's just experienced the last 18 months and has an eye on what we should be doing to build something that actually That's how resonates. The conversations were. It's crazy. We still got a long way to go. That's and also boohoo to me though, you know what I mean? Like whatever, like these are small, but what they are is they're like, they're seeds that are indications of like people who aren't as privileged as me or in the positions that I am. Like imagine what they're experiencing if me at my level, I'm Yeah, but it's a micro that. of an overall macro. It's not totally. like that's a unique only to, to entertainers, songwriters, producers, people in the, in the entertainment business. Yeah. Like everybody going through this in their own way, whether mm -hmm. it's dealing with the job that they have to take maternity leave from that's and yeah. they don't have an understanding situation mm -hmm. going on there, or to your point, they don't have the means to be yeah. able to secure the right health. Everyone, is experiencing their own journey. Yeah. And what I, I really respect about this album is that you have not just, you haven't made a pregnancy album. This isn't a, I'm gonna have a baby album. Yeah. This is a, like I said, this is, this is more, you know, a, a, a document about the dynamic of being a woman giving birth mm -hmm. from your perspective at a time when there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. About yeah. about actually making that a, you know an experience that is st as stress free as humanly possible yeah. and basic human rights and that's one of the things I really love about this record is that y you know you're making these songs at a time when they need to be heard yeah and yeah. you're going through this yeah well I mean you know it's funny I remember I, so I released Nightmare mm. on the day that the uh, abortion ban went up mm. and there's all the talk about the global gag rule and the Yellow Hammer Fund we partnered with the Yellow Hammer Fund for a nightmare and I remember everyone saying 
How crazy timing was that, that you released a song, you know, that was about female autonomy, mm-hmm. or on the same day where there was this, like, you know, um, assault on women's rights. And I was like, the likelihood of there being an assault on women's rights is like every other, every other every day. day. <laughs> like the song so the timing came is out not whenever. that crazy. Yeah, like everyone was like, this is a remarkable. And I was like, no, it's actually, if you're paying attention, yeah. then you know that it's really not. And that's kind of the same thing with this this album, with this record, you know? And I, I definitely feel like I've, I've finally perfected my concept album, you know, which is really cool because I've been trying to make one this is my fourth, my third time making one, you know, yeah. and... Wait, which one wasn't a concept album I guess Manic kind of wasn't one, but it was a concept album. The concept was just me. Maybe I just like putting you in a space where you, that it's a complete thought, because I yeah. like the way that you put your music together in Thank an album you. in well, they're never like It's never like, Manic isn't on the nose, yeah, per yeah, se. Yeah, it's still yeah. kind of like, it exists in like a conceptual... There's a motif. That's right. For sure. That's right. There's definitely a motif. I would never put out an album that's like, here's 15 random songs that I thought could all be hits. Like, you know what I mean? It's not. There's one, I'll give you 15 years, mate. You'll be there. Well. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Never, uh, never going to happen. I would do it in like a a satirical way. Yeah. Also, anyone who's trying to make a perfect pop album is um, wasting their time anyway because Katie already did it with Teenage Dreams. So no one ever needs to do it ever again. (laughs) It's so true though, it really is. If you're trying to make a perfect pop album, you're just going trying to make Teenage Dream again. You've had your moments, there's no doubt about it. And you've picked your collaborators carefully to help you do that. So it's time for us to talk about like this this incredibly inspired- Oh, my non-pop album with my non-pop collaborators. But they are pop in the most beautiful, (laughs) twisted, aggressive, dark and wonderful human way. Were you surprised? Yeah. Did you know before they sent it? Did they tell you when they sent it? Or did you figure it out while you were listening? I can't remember the exact timeline. It must have, no, that's right. You knew before you pressed play. No. You didn't? No, so this is, so so, so I'll tell you. So what happens is the the album arrives and I press play on it. And as soon as the piano started, I knew. No way. Oh, come on. Really? It's his plane. I know, but it usually takes people until track two it's to his figure plane. it out. It's the synth. It's the note, and I'm going to botch it, but yeah. it's the note where it goes dun 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 Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. He always has a note, yeah. and then it's just so trend. And I was like, oh my God, that's trend. And then mm-hmm. I, I scrambled to the little bits of notes that the team has sent them to me, and it was like Trent and Atticus, and mm-hmm. I was like so excited. I can't. I'm I mean, still, I still like, I'm so happy they're never in the room because I'm like, I can't. So hang on. You've <laughs> never even been in the room. No, we have. I was going to say. I'm just saying I'm happy they're not in the room when now, I do interviews like yeah. this because I would be so embarrassed. Well, I'll, I'll be embarrassed with you. I mean, um, I don't think since Nine Inch Nails <laughs> and How to Destroy Angels, Trent, let alone Trent and Atticus, have turned their hands to producing a project no. outright. No. All right. All right. All right. All right. I know. All right, all right, I, know all right, all right, I know. I apologize in advance <laughs> for the fanboy and fangirling that's about to go down. I know. We're about to geek. Sweet. So yeah. how... Did there it you happen? go. It's the most simple question <laughs> I've ever asked in my entire life. I didn't even have to elaborate, and I'm yeah. a talker. How? How? Okay, so I've wanted to work with Trent for years. You know, like when I was making Badlands, like that language and that like that thesis of song making, that yeah. theology of song making was like in every song on the record. It was like, you know, those industrial drums. You can hear it on Castle on the first track. You know, it's like that kind of like stripped bare minimalist. Im- industrial sound 
And I kind of had like abandoned it afterwards, and I wish I didn't because I love that minimalist nature. And I well, think it's also the beauty and the beast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because also Hope of Kingdom is like super bombastic, and like that's what makes it mm. so good because it's like grandiose and baroque and whatever. And that's why I love it so much. But so I wrote this record, and I wrote it with John Cunningham, who's amazing. I did a bunch of records on on Manic with him, and he's like really good friend of mine. And you know, as you uh, per usual. I write all my own lyric and melody. Of course. You know what I mean? Um, but this record was even like more made in a vacuum because I made it like, we half made it on a tour bus driving across the country at the beginning of the pandemic. And then we half made it in my backyard, just like at my house. And I wanted like a really cinematic sort of, not horror specifically, but kind of just like really unsettling production. Claustrophobic. Yes. And I don't even remember how oh, no, no, we no, got no, the no, balls no. to ask you them. you got to remember that because who, how? I don't remember how we got the ball. It's something I wanted. And, and Anthony, my manager, knew that it's something I wanted. And I had abandoned it because I was like, I'm not cool enough. They'll never do it. I'm not interesting enough. Like, I'm not even going to. Ask. Oh, like, by the way, this is a really valuable lesson for any aspiring artist right now. Yeah, just who, ask. <laughs> yeah. Because because everybody, no matter who, how successful you are, mm -hmm. has somebody that they're terrified oh ultimately to, to 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 make the call to. Yes. So we. So Anthony was like, "Listen, I believe in this record. I believe in you. I believe in your creative and your concept. Let's just ask." And so we sent them the whole album. I just like held my breath and crossed my fingers. And they wrote back and they were like, yeah, um, we love it. Um, they were like, you, they were like, <laughs> they were like, and, and I'm just going to say this. It's weird because it's like half complimentary to myself, but also half really oh, self-deprecating. Let's do it. It's like in the middle somewhere where I think Trent and Atticus were kind of like, we didn't realize you were such a good songwriter. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the insult and it's like, oh, thanks. But like the compliment <laughs> is also like, Trent Reznor thinks I'm a good songwriter. Yeah, like I'll yeah. literally die. Yeah. So we like sat down, I started talking to them about the creative and there's a couple of things that kind of happened all at once that spawned the direction that it went in. Trent said something to me that well, I'll never forget for the rest of my life where he was like, hey, the record is great how it is, you know? He, um, he was like, so like, you could not do this with us and put it out. He's like, or the way a lot of modern music is right now is it informs the listener not to pay attention. It says, this song is safe. You can put it on a playlist, you can listen to it in a car, you can play it on a party, and it's not gonna fuck up the vibe. It blends in with everything else, it's a mood, it's chill, but it informs you not Business to pay attention. Business as usual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was like, your songs, I think, deserve better than that. And I think that they should make people pay attention to what you're saying. He's like, so I'm gonna make some really weird choices. And I was like, please make weird choices. Make the weirdest choices. So he sent back like two songs at first, him and Atticus. And they told me later on, they were like, there's no way she's good. Like, well, no, they were like, yeah, they were like, Taking a, a piss, bit. you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Where yeah. they were like, we're well, gonna then they know. Then they know how far they can go, right? There's no point in. I get it. There's no point in sending you something that they think is you're going to like because yeah. then they're like, well, how far can we really go? For sure. I mean, one of the songs I sent was like this, like really, really drum and bassy original demo of Girls Are Gone. Mm -hmm. 
um, with that kind of like garage, like, you know what I mean? And then another one was like a super, super synthy demo of something. It had no drums on the whole record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they sent it over and they were like, this is probably a little too wild for you or whatever. And I was like, no, yeah. these are amazing. Yeah. And Tranatic has told me later, they were like, as soon as you were like, these are amazing, they were like, all right, it's go time. Like, she wants to play. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she wants to play. And I think, I, and I understand it. You know, they wanted to know if I was willing to take the risk, yeah. you know? And I was, I was willing to take the risk. And I also felt like I had earned it at that point to be able to, where it's like, I feel like every artist on their fourth, fifth, whatever album, especially pop artists are always trying, are always like, I really want to do something experimental. I really want to do something experimental. Until somebody says, oh, I don't know, or oh, you start thinking about what I'm going to do at I the thought, Billboard yeah. Music Awards, or oh, you know. What are we going to do about radio? What are yeah. we going to do about this? And like, I know that fear. I know that pain. So I'm not criticizing anyone who's like been in that position because yeah. it's like, you know, it's scary to want as many people as possible to enjoy your music, but at what cost if it's not the music you wanted to make? That's right. You know what I mean? Yes. And so we were sitting here and I was like, you know what, I've literally been doing this for long enough. Like, I just want to make something really cool. And if I'm, if there was ever a time to take this risk, it was with them, you know? Oh, and totally. we just, it snowballed. It was just so cool. I don't even know how to explain it. It happened in like a blink of an eye where we had such a great creative language and like such a synergy and like, the first time I met them in person, I was so scared of them. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, cool, we're all best friends. Like, this is great. Yeah, like, for sure. I mean, yeah. look, I, I, I've, you know, I, and it's not, this is not my story, but having spent some considerable time with Trent at the beginning of my journey at Apple, you know, yeah. he was there in instrumental and building Apple music. And of course. Was, I'll just say it. I mean, Trent Reznor was the reason I'm even having this conversation with you. Well, you know, the first time I met Trent Reznor was at Jimmy Iovine's house. Right. When Jimmy, uh, I went to Jimmy's house to talk about me being uh, involved in, in, and being on the first, yeah, it was the first world, I, I think yeah. New Americano was the first world record. Oh yeah, that's what it was. So, okay, yeah. this, okay so for those people who don't know, <laughs> this is a great story. Yeah. So we launched the radio station and it's all great and Jimmy's like, well, you did it and Trent's like, good job, man. And it's like, oh, I'm like, I can breathe for the, f you know, I can take a moment for the first yeah. time in like four months, I can actually rest. And then two days later, Jimmy calls me, he's like, so uh, have you broken a record yet? <laughs> And I was like, break a record? We've only been on for three days. And he's like, yeah. listen, if you're not, if you don't find a record in the first week, man, then what are you doing? <laughs> and the next day, New Americana showed up. Yeah. And that was it. I know. It was so, I remember that so vividly. It was so, so vividly. It was so cool. I mean, I like, told you so many times how important that record was for the overall growth of what we wanted to build at, at, at you know, Apple Music. I mean, I, you know, and I'll tell you again and again, if I, if, you know, as many times as I want to. Okay, now you're going to make me cry. No, but it's true. I mean, that record was a fundamentally crucial moment in helping us establish ourselves and what we wanted to do. I don't think it, the record would have done nearly as well without the support of the station. So I think yeah. that was a good. And somewhere deep in the middle of that is Trent. Yeah. And that's what I love about <laughs> yeah. this is that, is that, you know, six years and change mm -hmm. later, yeah. you know, you find yourself in a completely different creative environment mm -hmm. with somebody who has so much to offer, not yeah. just as a member of, as a, as the founder of Nine Inch Nails, but from all of the soundtrack work he's been doing with Atticus, yeah. the partnership that has now, yeah. you know, been firmly and was always, but firmly established with him and Atticus. Mm -hmm. So the yin and the yang. Yeah. And, you and just, they are so yin and yang so yin too, and yang. it's so funny. And you just hear on this record that they have really taken their job seriously. Yeah, it was like so flattering to me because I could tell they really cared about the album. Yeah. You know, these aren't guys that need to like jump on and do like, oh, some pop star called us and like wants us to do well, this album do and like, we're gonna do it for a paycheck or whatever. Like, I'll tell you what, I didn't pay them very much to do it. So wow. <laughs> I probably should have paid them a lot more. <laughs> 
Um, I'm just kidding. Um, kind no, of. she's not. She paid the peanuts. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of kidding. Um, they did it because they loved the record, and that's, that's right. what was so amazing. And, like, also just, like, the stars aligned in so many other ways, too, which is, like, you know, so... There's a, there's a film that accompanies the record, mm. an hour-long narrative film that um, people can see, and that's, you know, really what... And it's a real film, right? It's a real film, yeah, and that's what really defines it as a, as a concept record mm. in a way that I've never been able to pull off before, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, their experience with scoring, we were producing the album and filming the movie in tandem at the same time. So I was six months pregnant, five months, six months pregnant in Czech Republic, shooting a movie for six weeks, coming back while Trinaticus are waking up in America on the phone with them, finishing my album, shooting like 16 hour days, like back and forth. And it was crazy, but wow. it was awesome. Cause I could send them like production stills and like, this is the vibe and this is what we're that shooting. That must have been the best moment of your life in, in, in a lot of ways. It was, because, yeah. Because it's like, I'm working with two heroes making an yeah. album I've been working towards my whole life. Yeah. And I'm in a point where I'm not shooting from behind where I used to be. Like mm -hmm. I'm in the best position, which is why Good. I can make this film. Yeah. And all of it's driving to this ultimate new yeah. experience. Totally. That has kind of nothing to do with any of it, but has everything yeah. to do with it. Oh, you it. couldn't tell me nothing when I was like, I mean, even still, like I'm still on cloud nine about all of it, but I just passed, the seven year anniversary of me signing my record deal just passed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know that Kanye text to Kim that's like, this is your life. Like church every Sunday, beautiful kids, like uh, cover of Forbes, like whatever. <laughs> it was like, I was thinking there's like a, it's like a meme and I was like thinking about it and, I, and someone close to me sent me like a similar text that was like, wow, like it's been seven years since you signed your deal. Like you're having a baby. Like, you know, you just have the, you got this beautiful home. You just finished your dream album with your dream collaborators. You made this amazing film, like, and they were just like listing off all this stuff, like, you know, New York Times bestseller, like all these things. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, and for the first time ever in my entire life, someone sent me a message naming all the good things that are going on in my life. And my first instinct wasn't, okay, so now what's gonna go wrong? Yeah. Because, you know, up until this point, that's what I would have done is I would have been like, all right. So has everything up to this point been, been, have you been running from yeah. all the things that can go wrong? Uh -oh. if, 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 if I go on the road one more time, I'm going to leave whatever could go wrong behind. If I go in, into this relationship, totally. I'll leave that one behind. If totally. I, yeah. Also being like, oh, I need to constantly keep doing stuff so that the, that doesn't happen. Yeah, distraction. You know? Which is like the best thing that the pandemic kind of taught me, which is like you can go home and you can relax. But how long did it take you to do that? So long. Yeah. So long. Yeah, you're not alone. And everything's not gonna catch on fire. Mm. Like you're gonna be okay. You know, like that was the craziest thing for me. And I do remember at the beginning of the pandemic saying it might be years until I write another album. And then I started one like three weeks later. <laughs> so, you know. Because I just don't think that timelines should really ever play into the to creative impulse. And I've spent decades and decades talking to artists about mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And I actually don't think that time is really that relevant. I, I think it yeah. comes down to listening to what it is that you want to say when you want to say it mm -hmm. and having enough opportunity around you to create the space to act upon that impulse. Yeah. And time acts in contrast to that because time's trying to drag you away from that yeah. all the time. Yeah.
I agree. I think that the weight of that as a female artist, like kind of deciphering time as not your enemy when you've been taught for so long to think that it is, you know, don't get too old. Yeah. Don't get pregnant because then you can't go on tour. Don't. You're running out of time. Yeah, there's a lot of like you're running out of time kind of mentality where time starts to become your enemy. And then like, it's really nice to be able to look at time as like an ally. You know, where for me, like time has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's allowed me to grow and allowed me to heal and allowed me to develop. And I do remember around Manic being like, I'm washed, I'm washed. You know, like without me, it was a huge hit. I'm not gonna be able to follow that up. I just put out this album, I'm gonna tour it. And being just just being like, what's next for me? Like, when are people gonna get sick of it? When are they gonna whatever? You know, I'll probably have to have a baby and then yeah, start a family and then like, you know, I'll be I'll just be done being Halsey. Do you remember when I told you that I saw you on a cutaway <laughs> of an award show? Do you remember I told you the story? Oh my gosh, yeah. And you were just smiling and playing the part, mm-hmm. but your eyes were just I was like you just were gone. gone. Yeah. And I said to you, I remember saying to you, like, it was weird because I felt like I could and we'd yeah, each other long yeah. enough. And you I would like, know if I was being I was like, disingenuous. It's weird yeah. that you A, you felt you even had to be there if you didn't want to be yeah. there. And B, that you knew the camera was on you and you had to perk mm-hmm. up like yeah. that. Like Which by the way, I don't do any of that anymore. I haven't been doing award show and like I don't even know how long. Well if you do it, because you want to do it. I also don't get invited to them anymore, so I don't really care. Which leads us to the to the to the <laughs> which leads us to the hit record of this interview, which is Nobody Likes Me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is which, you know, look, again, this is a Wait, wait, wait. I think that for my whole career, my logline has been nobody likes me. And I think now my logline is nobody likes me, and that's cool. Like I'm cool with that. You know, people like you, right? I don't know. If, I don't know if I agree with that. All right. So are you? I any, think you like me. <laughs> I think a lot of people like you, Ash, and I think that a lot of fans appreciate your music and your honesty. And I think that you're a human being, and I think every mistake makes you stronger. And we yeah. will make them. I wonder, you know, are you getting any closer to identifying what the original nucleus of that self belief is? Oh yeah. I mean, it's like the uh, the cause is the effect in this situation where like, you know, I grew up and I wasn't like really well liked, you know, I was like a nerd. It's like, you know, mm. like the award show feels like the lunch table now. Yeah, awful, you know? awful if it's, you felt like an outsider the whole time. Totally, it's the same feeling. And it's like, you get to a certain age, like, and this is more how I felt when I was kind of like 24, 25, where I was like, I looked around and I was like, damn, like I'm so successful and, I'm, and I try to be so nice to everyone. And I go around, I'm smiling, kissing everyone's ass, I'm supporting their projects, I'm going to clubs, and buying bottles and like, you know, I'm trying to make friends and everybody still hates me. So like, if me being like this successful and this trying this hard isn't gonna make me well liked, well then what the hell is going to? And I'm like 26 and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like I'm super good. Like, so I bought my like big hideaway house in like the middle of nowhere with my Bruce Wayne library. Which is awesome. Which is so great. But, and, and I'm not saying that in a way that's like, I don't like anyone, so I'm gonna hide away. I'm literally saying it in like a, I, lo- I love my life so much right now. Like that peace and that solitude and that like being surrounded by people who genuinely care about me and like having like intimate relationships with people where I'm not seeking validation all the time. Well, it's, it's insatiable. Yeah. That, 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 that pursuit to be liked by people, therefore to, re- to reaffirm your own identity about yourself. Yeah. 
I mean, everyone's, you know, if you're lucky, you figure it out at some point in your life. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. it's an ultimate waste of time, which isn't to say we all don't fall into that trap every day, probably at some point. Yeah. It's called the ego. Yeah, totally. But it, it, it will catch you out. And I don't know. I mean, even just the realization that you wanted to share that, you know, your, your bipolar was a mm-hmm. moment where you could say to people, yeah, this isn't just because you perceive me as a brat. Or you yeah. think that I'm trying to rattle the cage at every opportunity yeah. to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Or any of those things that people who are bullied at school do mm-hmm. to protect themselves. Yeah. That actually there's something else going on here and I'm trying to figure it out as well. Yeah. Did that totally. help? Yeah, I think so. It definitely helped with like my interpersonal relationships. I think we still have a really long way to go with like the media and the industry and like people's perceptions and like people not realizing like the long lasting and like real effect that their treatment of people has, you know Look what I mean? what's happening with Naomi Osaka. Oh, that's a it's, really good example. I mean, yeah. here's somebody who's coming mm-hmm. out of, and I, and I, oh man, I never tweet this stuff, but I had to, I felt compelled to. I was sitting in, I was, I'd woken up, I was with my wife, and I said, I'm gonna message something. Cause mm-hmm. she knows I have this weird thing with social media where I yeah. like, I don't really love hate relationship. For sure, for sure. And I just vomited what I felt, which was, yeah. I can't believe at the end of this mental health awareness month that we're actually, you know, attacking a professional athlete for trying to preserve her mental health. For like, sure. Because of a contract? Yeah. Like, isn't the idea of a contract over a human being by its very nature going to be anxiety inducing and some yeah. kind of precursor to a mental health issue. Sure. Also, she's an elite athlete. Like nothing about what she does indicates that she needs to be yeah. well-spoken or good at press. She showed up to play. Yeah. She's not a, you know, uh, a caricature. This isn't a, this isn't performance art. She's an elite athlete. And yeah. also your mental health is directly correlated to your physical health. And without her physical health, she can't perform at the level everyone's expecting her to. That makes them all money. And how terrible that she's going through it, but how beautiful of her to Mm. say, I won't be exploited. This is the power of saying no. Well, I think, you know, what I said was, you know, on my show was, you know, if you're judging the situation from that viewpoint, and we all have to listen to each other, ask yourself that if the person closest to you, your partner, your kid, Mm -hmm. your brother, sister, your best friend, someone who you would put their life before your own mm-hmm. was going through this and was saying, I need help. Yeah. I can't go to work today. I'm lost. Yeah. I need help. Yeah. Would you treat that person the same way mm-hmm. that you're treating this yeah. person you don't know? Because oh, yeah. anything less than that means that we are way off the empathy scale. Yeah, but I don't think we're there yet. I don't no, we're think way we're off. there you said yet. It. We've yeah. got work to do. Not, as, not socially, not in the industry, not... Oh, I know we live in a world that's just so full of vitriol and it's like, you know, it's it's volatile being someone with a voice. It used to be like really important and now it's volatile where I think everyone's like really nervous. And you and I have this talk every time we, mm. we talk, which is the talk about censorship and about like, you know, art and the artist or like, you know, at what point you have a responsibility to put out messaging that's not damaging and doesn't perpetuate stereotypes and doesn't cause anyone else pain, but if art is being censored and being controlled, then at what point does it stop being art? And you know, that's like, that's not for me to decide. I'm not the authority on that. You know what and I mean? I do the best thing. You talk about I... nuances, there's nuances in, in that Hell for sure. yeah. There are and very clear and very obvious things that mm-hmm. need to be addressed and avoided and yeah. respected. And then there's this gray area where it's like yeah. swirling in social media yeah. in the gray, as we know, yeah. is a hectic place. 
Yeah, I think that's why everybody's like, you know, it, like I said, it's a volatile time for messaging, for mm. having a voice, for having a platform, for speaking. It's not, your platform's never been more valuable, but by the same token, it's also never been more potentially destructive if used it yeah. in the wrong way. And sometimes it's used in the wrong way by accident. Yeah. It's not always what being weaponized, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I've definitely been off of social media like more than I ever have in my whole career, which is disappointing for me because I don't do press either. And like social media used to be my favorite way of like communicating with my fans because they know my voice, they understand my language, and like it wasn't kind of like bastardized through the like filter of journalism. So it's just too hot. It's just um, too hot to be on right now. It's just too hot. Is that what you're saying? Kinda. I mean, I had to make a choice, especially in my pregnancy, mm. where the girl who's been like the open book for six years, I had mm. this had to be mine. I'm, I was not going to put myself, the, the consequences were too high. The consequences of like letting social media like stress me out or like cause me grief, the, you know, it's no longer just m me being affected by it. There's like a whole other person who's like nervous systems being affected yeah, by yeah. The, sta the status of mine, yeah. you know? So I had to like kind of make that choice. Uh, I don't know what that means for when I'll be back to using it, Nothing. you know, but You'll come I, back and people will read it and yeah. make a decision and yeah. that's what I think. I mean, look at the, you, you're right. Like we put so much emphasis on this way of communicating with one another and yeah. there are benefits. I get it. Yeah. Like I've benefited from it. I read it. Sometimes it's a great way to pass the time. Sometimes it's great to be able to say what you feel. I wouldn't be sitting here without it. Correct. You know, but you have the right to be able to put boundaries around anything that you choose to put. And I'm talking about everybody, not For just sure. Halsey. Yeah. Everyone has a right to. And I think, it, I think we cross the line when we move into this place of assumption that if we don't, expectation that if we don't, we're going to suffer somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that sort of becomes right. You're talking about this contract that Naomi Osaka is under, where she's required to like to speak and give her opinion and present. All of us are under a social contract, totally. and that social contract demands we that we be it the on day social. We up. Yeah, yeah we Dem demands us be on social media and be messaging and like speaking about certain things and like and sharing parts of our lives and like. Yeah. Well, you don't you exist. Know. Yeah, that's the social contract. And but you exist here, and yeah. there isn't a social media influencer within a hundred miles. Yeah. What I love about this place is I could I could leave and then try to find it and still not find it, even though I've been here. <laughs> totally. Now I, I have to ask you because it's such a beautiful location and it's so remote and so tucked away, and yet as I said, the you know the Halsey I met back in 2015 was yeah. tearing up Los Angeles. Totally. And so I sort of wonder now that you're sort of in a moment of reflection, which is what. Becoming yeah. a parent, it's, it drags reflection yeah. out of you. It's time yeah. to reflect. You know, how you think about where the, what that was like in 2015 versus what this is now. Oh, that's so funny you say that. I was, um, was having this conversation with someone the other night where I was like, there was like, I, saw, I came across like a couple photos of me. I'd been like paparazzi leaving a club, like really drunk or something like that. Mm. And I was like, Am I the most embarrassing person like to ever live? <laughs> like I can't believe this exists. And they were like, "No, we all did this. Yours just is photographed." That's right. You know, which is like that's a cliche. Every artist has that. Like I grew up in front of the camera. Like okay, cool, we get it. I I did. I came of age in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. But it's it holds me accountable. Also, we're like I didn't like how that felt. I don't like being embarrassed. Yeah. I don't like being out of control and humiliating myself. And I had 
a brief period where I felt that way. And like now I don't anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, you taste it. I mean, it was acidic. It was electric. Yeah. You went there. Like a couple of years ago, I mean, we had a conversation and, and you were very honest about the relationship you were in at the time. And then, yeah. I, I, and I felt you, you were like, I don't know if I even want to have said that. And I could just see you scrambling to mm. make sense of who you are as an instinctive human being yeah. versus the diligence you had to do Yeah. because of the chaos you were yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what that's a mind it. mess. I think I put my, I'm putting my like uh, intuitive state first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where like I got this house because it's because it's quiet and because it's calm and because it's the kind of place where I want my kid to grow up yeah. and it's you know it's the first house where I've ever been able to live. You know, like it's been it's designed for all of the things I like to do: read, play piano, walk. paint, mm-hmm. go for a walk. There's a studio, big kitchen so I can cook, a garden, you know, like those are all things I've loved to do that I've never been able to do in my last few homes. And like, also I've been touring for eight years, so the pandemic made me go, oh, I have to live somewhere for all the time. I better like it, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because I couldn't like just leave and go stay in a four seasons somewhere. Well, you did that, right? I mean, a temporary existence is is what it is. I want to talk about the the title because it's powerful. Mm. I can't have love. I want power. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just gonna say that because you named your album that, and and, and you got to pick it up. I can't believe I named my album. Oh, it's amazing. It's it it grabs you immediately. What was I thinking? It's empowering, but it's also you know it's. uh, it's sort of empowering, but it's also really selfish. It's like classic yeah. you in the sense that, as sure. you say, it walks both sides. So, yeah. um, it's definitely a flawed statement. Like, it's not yeah. likable. No, it's not likable at all. No, totally. But, but not okay. It's not likable now. But in twenty years' time, people will refer to it as the statement that ultimately empowered to some sure. degree the idea sure. of, of of independent, yeah, uh, some form of independence. So, yeah. it's, it's also not likable. But then you realize by the end of the record, I did choose love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not likable because it's my initial statement, but then like, you know, I I kind of start this journey with, okay, fine. Well, if I can't have love, then I want power. Yeah. If I can't have a relationship, I'm going to work. If I can't have, if I can't be loved interpersonally, I'm going to be loved by millions on the internet yeah. or, yeah. you know, I'm going to crave attention elsewhere or I'm going to do all these other things to fulfill myself. Um and I'm going to become hardened and I'm going to become ruthless and I'm going to be all these things. And then like, you know, I'm so steadfast on this mentality and then comes this baby. (laughs) And it's like, the universe has a funny way of tripping you up on that path. And born out of love as well. I For mean, sure. You know, the way you, yeah. you talked about your relationship early on in our conversation was brief yeah. but really heartwarming. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's the kind of relationship that makes you look back and go, what the hell have I ever been doing? You know what I mean? Which is the best feeling in the world. And the irony is that the most power I've ever had is in the agency I have in that I chose love. That's what has given me the most power, is being able to say, no, I don't wanna do that. I wanna be home with my partner. Or the agency in saying, I don't care if it's not a number one record, I'm having a baby. Or the agency in saying, someone else can do that campaign. I don't need it. I'm, I wanna go to Italy with, the baby and my partner, you know what I mean? Like being able to choose those things and- Take your life back. 
take my life back and that agency and, and like that comfort is the most power I've ever had in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, because, you know, the, the, what's beautiful about that is that um, everything else that, that people strive and we all do it, I do it, everybody does it to some degree, striving mm -hmm. for some kind of like, um, you know, like I said, like con construct of what power is, influence, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff, um, it evaporates mm -hmm. really quickly. I know. And leaves a hole that you have to keep filling over and over and over and over again, whereas this is actually full. Mm -hmm. It's full of life and full of collectibles and yeah. books that you read or yeah. haven't read yeah. and a piano that you might play or not play. Yeah. And it's, this is where the memories happen. Yeah. So my, I guess my question is, what's your relationship like with those memories now that you've written them all out? Because I don't really know what else there is to talk about. I think the library is a really good example of that because, you know, it is full of things I love and you know, trinkets and memorabilia and yeah. souvenirs. And there's a chair a, up there. And that, yeah, I think. And there's a, there's a box somewhere in a storage unit, a couple boxes full of my plaques and my awards. They're not here. No. That's not what I put up in the house hmm. when I got this room and I got this chance to display what's important to me. You know, there's a couple of things, and that's not to say that like nothing from my professional life is in there. You know, like my books are up there, the one I wrote. Mm -hmm. You know, there's um, there's some paintings I've done, and like I think my Time magazine covers in here because that was such like a huge moment for me. I have personal things like a signed book from Ryan McGinley because he's my favorite photographer, and he shot me, and I asked him to sign a book, and. You know, there's like little things, but there's no awards or, or freaking, you know, anything like that in here. And like, that's not to sound ungrateful. I, I work my ass off. I love when my work performs well. And like, you know, those accolades are, meaning, are meaningful. They are. My art has, it means the world to me, obviously. But, you know, when I got this room and I got this opportunity to be like, okay, cool. What do I want to see every day? What's important to me? It wasn't any of those things. The music you make never feels like it's an investment in that experience. Sure. You can't make a song like A Girl Is A Gun mm -hmm. and be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely which is, which not. Is, I know, and, I, and I mumbled it before, but it got lost in the undertow of, our, of the way you and I communicate. Sorry. But that's, no, don't apologize, please. I was loving the point. I was just trying to get my point across that I love that song. Yeah. It's one I of my favorite song songs too. on the record. It's so crazy. Yeah. It was a in a post-experiment-on-me like, world, I really was thrilled to do something that was like, I love how my voice sounds in that type of production, whether it's like new metal or drum and bass or like- Well, cause you, you anchor know. it brilliantly. I mean, there's real fury on this yeah. Like it's like Atticus and, and Trent held nothing back. Yeah, yeah. And Trent often has to go full throat mm -hmm. to beat himself. Yeah. Whereas you know. you know, some of your performances on these songs are actually some of the sweetest vocals you've ever done over the harshest stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right? that juxtaposition was like really intentional as well too because I think there's like this through line as well of like kind of um, archetypal femininity, mm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, which is why like everyone's like, oh, it's like, this is a girl power album and I'm like, no, no it's not. No, I'm not competing with anybody. I'm yeah. not competing with the track. Yeah, also not for nothing, but like the lead single is I am not a woman, I'm a God. It's yeah. not a girl power album. From Jump, I'm like, I'm not a woman. Yeah, I'm, you not, know what I mean? I'm not an I'm icon, not, I'm a fraud or whatever. Yeah, I'm, not a legend, I'm, a fraud. I'm not saying any yeah. of that. There's no girl power in this album. There's actually no, and that's the other thing too, right? Being pregnant, writing this album, people are expecting girlishness. Right. You know what I mean? And like I, 
any time where I ever talk about womanhood, motherhood, femininity, I'm usually talking about it with a taste in my mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. go be a big girl. A girl is a gun. A, you know, uh, all I can taste is the blood in my mouth. You know, she was this. She, like, all those moments where I, I am touching on those things are, like, it's, it's definitely not... I think it probably can be experienced in that way for some people because... The fact that I made it at all and the way that I made it is kind of like a girl power statement. But like the record itself, I guess I mean, is like, you know, it's not that. And so using those sweeter vocal performances yeah. were kind of like um, essential. I think, it's, I think it's a human picture. power record in the sense that you were just acknowledging flaws. Yeah. And doing your level best yeah. to try to face them down and say, look, if I'm going to end up raising a child here, yeah. then I need to at least know. Yeah what my flaws have been traditionally mm -hmm. and accept who, what they are. I, I, I just want to know um, how, why you chose to end the album the way you did. I know why you chose to start it the way you did now, oh, but why yeah. did you choose to end it the way you did? The last song in the album is Jokbirni, and I barely pronounced that correctly, but it's Arabic, mm -hmm. and uh, it means you bury me. Mm. It's a... Which is the sentiment of the song, right? Yeah, but it's also an expression to someone you love saying, you know, I don't want to live in a world without you. Yeah. Like, you're going to bury me. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a really powerful statement. The song is... is God, I've said that. And I don't know whether the fact that I've said that is an expression of love or an expression of selfishness, but I've said that. Yeah, I know, because it is selfish, right? To be like, I would rather you I live in a world full of pain than myself. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's um, uh. it's a it's it's a love song to the baby and to my partner, Alev. It's, I mean, for, it's some of my favorite lyrics I've ever written in my yeah. life. You know, like it starts just off bat with, I get undertones of sadness when I think about the moments that I never got to spend with you. Which is incredible. You know what I mean? Um, thank you. Um, undertones of sadness. Yeah, where it's like you're having such a beautiful moment and you're smiling and you're laughing with your partner and then like you get a little despondent because yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I'm thinking about all the years you might live without me in addition to the ones you already have. And like, all we get is right now, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's obviously amplified when you bring a child into your life. And like, you know, towards the end, uh, the second verse is, I'll never know if there's danger in confession or it's memory that presses like a blade against my throat. Another word and I could choke, but what's worse, telling you my feelings or to die without revealing that you crawled inside my head and set a fire there instead of letting all my insecurities devour me with certainty that love is just a currency. Um, so, I know it's a lot. Well, no, what that but, is, is that is the, uh, that's the story up to now, isn't it? Totally. In one Love vote. is a currency, I'm insecure, yeah. I, And I'd you know. rather push you away than you find out exactly why I'm broken on the inside. Yes. And you, you know what, there are answers, but I'm not gonna even indulge the questions. Yeah. And now to have this person in front of you and to be like, I'm willing to be vulnerable in this way because I love you so much and I want you to know all these things about me. And the hook of the record in and of itself is, I think we could live forever in each other's faces because I'll always see my youth in you. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm embarking on this journey wow. with Eleven. and we have a child and I get to look at him and remember how young I was when I first met him for the and rest of my life. And in my child, see child, my youth. 100%. Yeah. Watch the lessons learned at moments in time that pass you by, long pass you by, but totally. stay with your children. And that yeah. is yeah. the great lesson of mm -hmm. being a parent is that you think that you've left a lot of that stuff behind, but yeah. it's actually being absorbed. Yeah, totally. And like you, you get to look at your child and say, all of your hardest lessons were once mine you know, and like share that experience and share in that ownership with them. And that's why I feel like the perfect record to end the album with. I start the um, album ironically with a song called The Tradition, mm -hmm. Before I Know I'm Pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I'm singing about traditions. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the record, I have a much better idea of what family and what tradition really are, you know? And I still have so much so much to, to know and so much to learn and so much to experience. Makes and you like, feel ready in the moment. Yes, yeah. I feel super in the moment, super zen, super scared, you know, um, about all of it, about labor, about being a good mom, about, you know, protecting my child and, and doing the right things and, and balancing everything. Um, but I feel so full of, of gratitude at the same time. You know, like I can't, I can't uh, think of anything that could possibly make this moment in my life better. And it's a subject that has long caused me a tremendous amount of pain. And now I get to feel this way instead and sit here and talk to you. And also like, you know, we talked about this before, but this is really the only interview I'm doing for the whole album cycle um, because I, one, the music speaks for itself, which is great because I've always been super known to over-explain things. The music speaks for itself. And I'm also, I refuse to let this time in my life be touched, tainted, or bastardized by anyone else, you know? I like balk at the idea of how this journey and this experience might be ruined in print or ruined, reiterated by anyone else. Um, and I care about it far too much to let that happen. So this is what everyone's gonna get. This is, this is all I have to say and they can watch the rest of it happen on the, on the big screen, you know? We've had some real conversations. We do every time, but that was the best one yet. And hopefully the next one will be the best one next. Halsey, our guest on the interview series. Scroll down and check out some of the archive episodes that we have here. Just one great conversation after another. I'm super grateful for all of them and for you. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you haven't yet, follow this and add a rating or a comment. And we're back again next week.